Levi's like, I love Chevys, I like tractors, and I like watermelon, man. Hey, all I gotta say is, <laughs> I like let the Chevy truck the Chevys, and <laughs> Ford come to the front. Hey, so far you're not doing very hot, so you got nothing in this battle. I'm just saying. Hey, 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 look good. hey, 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 that's hey, 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 no one needs to know about that. hey, 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 well, I'm going to put the cap on that there. Uh, welcome to Lap 16, everybody. Uh, my name's David. I'm joined by Antonio, Levi, and Norman. we got a lot to talk about. Crazy weekend, uh, month of May. we got a lot coming up. we got a lot happened. Um, but we're ready to dive on in. Um, but before we get started, um, our, our boy Antonio, who was mobile last week, was uh, racing a real race car around a real racetrack. So you want to tell us about that, my dude? Hell yeah. So uh, I am, first of all, before I even start going on a tangent, I am very sick, so I apologize for my atrocious sounding uh, voice. But uh, yeah, no, man, it was a good time. So uh, I was working on the car all last week. We had a whole bunch of stuff we needed to do. To, uh, we, we baselined the setup and all this stuff. And then uh, for some reason, when I got my car, they did the proportioning valve for the brake bias from left to right, which was really strange because typically it's front to back. And anyway, so we swapped it to front to back. And uh, man, let me tell you how much that helped the car. It was insane. Uh, wait, so anyways, wait, yeah. wait, wait. You said the brake bias is set left to right? Yeah, it was strange. So it was like left front to right front tire. So you'd be dialing out right. So they're basically the, the knob would control the right front tire. And it would be, so like if I, I guess the theory of it was if you take away right side braking and the left side's got more, it actually helps rotate the car. In theory, sounds like a great idea. The guy who had the car before me used to do really well, but for us, it was just, it didn't work. Yeah. We plumbed it back to front to back and it was just way better now. Car drives awesome. So anyways, long story short, uh, last race, man, I think I came like 25th or 6th on sheer pace, which was horrendous out of 35 guys uh this week we ended up pulling out a top 10 which is cool so we got a uh, 10th literally was what we ended up finishing um it was a great weekend overall super hot of course i woke up saturday morning with the sickness and it was great so i was battling fatigue and headaches and stuff all day in, in uh 30 degree weather i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i'm gonna have to look it up but i think it's like somewhere here, hold on, what is it? 30 degrees Celsius to Fahrenheit. Here, I'll convert it for you uh, Freedom Unit users. Uh, so that was a crisp, like, 85 to 90 degrees. So it was pretty spicy. Um, definitely not a nice time to be wearing five-layer suits. Um, but, you know, whatever. We got we got through it. Norman's over there crying down there because he hasn't been in a race car in a year and a half. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Making fun of me. That's right. Where's, where, is your engine even in the car, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have suffered from heat exhaustion in the car. It isn't funny. No, yeah, dude, it sucks. I got out of the car and I was almost ready to drop at the end of the race. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, it was a good time, dude. Uh, my team, we, we did awesome. I love those guys. They they put a lot of time into the car this last week. Um, And then the weekend, I'm just glad we finally had it pay off. We finally found out how to loosen the car. Um, And I'm looking forward to progressing up the... uh. 
uh, the finishing order. That'd be great. Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Progress. It's is, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, man, top 10s are meaningful. That means I'm in a competitive league, so I'll take it. That's great. Awesome, man. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I guess I'll segue us into NASCAR like I always do. Um, thank you for letting me ramble for five minutes last week. I was fully expecting to have them make fun of me for five minutes after I spoke, but thankfully we didn't get there, so that's good. Oh, no, you were good. And we saved it all <laughs> for this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get it face-to-face. That's <laughs> <laughs> all that matters. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just briefly run us through the, uh, or not briefly, I mean, we got quite some stuff to talk about, but uh, I'll run us through a race, and man, what an awesome race it was. Um, I really enjoy Darlington. It's always a good time with the throwback schemes. Uh, we, they brought on a whole bunch of cool people in the booth at some point. We had, I think, Kyle Petty was there. Richard Petty was there. We had um, we had Carl Edwards in the booth. There's a few other people as well I can't think of, but I know for sure. What's so special about was- Kyle Petty? Well, he's Kyle Petty, man. I mean, he's kind of a... He was in the league a while, and... His dad's Richard Petty. That helps a lot. But he's just, uh, I don't know. I want to say charismatic. I don't know if that's the right word, but he's just easy to listen to, easy to watch. I always kind of liked him. Ooh. And he's, he's always no. been with Fox. Well, he's always been with Fox also. So, I mean, he already had the tie. But, uh, yeah. yeah well, Norman's not a Kyle Petty? Petty fan. Yeah, he's not, he's um, not a fan, bro. <laughs> uh, wrong, I'm still salty. Uh, 92 what? All-Star race. Oh man, this guy, he would be still holding a grudge from 32 years ago. <laughs> and an all-star race. I had zero to do with points. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Go look up Davey Allison pictures after that race. <laughs> That's funny. I like but, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, man. Let's run us let's run us so, this race. So, yeah, oh, no, so who do we hold on? Yeah. Who do we have in the booth? We had Clint Boyer in the booth. We had Richard Petty in the booth. We had Kyle Petty in the booth. We had Carl Edwards in the booth. Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott, yeah. Oh, Bill Elliott, that's right. He was, was in there missing. for a long time, too, and he really wasn't that bad. No, he, he was there the, too bad, man. He was there the whole final stage, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. But it it was cool. I think Richard Petty started us off, or, or no, was Kyle Petty pre-race? Kyle Petty, Kyle Petty was, pre-race yeah. into the first stage. Then Richard came and joined him, too. Then Carl Edwards, stage two, and then Bill Elliott, final stage. Yeah, no, it was a good time, dude. I thought it was a a great broadcast. They had great um, guys in the booth. It was cool to see all those guys come back. Uh, I also heard that DW is coming back for um, North Wilkesboro right now. I know there's mixed opinions about him. I, I've always just his voice to me growing up watching, you know, him prime time. I didn't get to see him drive. I, I got to see him prime time broadcasting. Right, so to me, his voice is iconic. Whenever I think of NASCAR, I think of boogity 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 baby, and I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's I'm fired up now. So. I'm excited that uh, that he's going to be back. But uh, anyways, finally getting into this race. Uh, so stage one, I think it was like 90 laps. Uh, great racing really early between Truex and Bubba. Bubba was definitely holding his own there for a while. He was, uh, he was doing great throughout the first stage. Uh, we had uh, we didn't get to do any green flag pit stops. A caution came out midway through the race. Um, you know, they got back green going and uh, pretty much, you know, stage winner, MTJ. He pretty much dominated that entire stage. Um, so that was awesome to see there. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm kind of a fan. We know you're not just kind of a fan. I um, know, right? <laughs> he's been saying it too, man. Like MTJ's been doing great since he he's been mentioning him, so, mentioning him, and having that win too is huge for him. But uh, moving on, stage two, 
Uh, so we have Bubba has some green flag pit stop troubles. I don't know if you guys saw that his uh, right rear wasn't fully on there, which was unfortunate because he was having a pretty good race until that point. I don't know if he ever got back up there to recover. I'll have to take a look at the results again. Not um, not really, but I really was impressed on how he was staying patient at the first, um, being in second place, not burning his tires off. He was keeping good pace, and it was really really was pretty frustrating to see him have problems because I think he was hard to beat that day. He was doing good, man. I, I'm, I always feel bad when he does bad. Um, I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of him, uh, just, you know, because all the stuff that went down in the last couple of years. But, you know, man, he's a good guy. He tries hard. He's a good driver. He deserves to be there. You know, sometimes he has his issues with whether it's a mental battle or just, you know, some on-track struggle, struggles. And uh, I think overall, I like, everybody likes seeing him do well. Uh, so moving on, we had uh, around 35 to go in the stage. Uh, Truex and Chastain were battling it out super hard. Um, those guys were battling the entire race, um, which was awesome to see. And then uh, final lap of stage two, we had Chastain and Truex went into the corner, and Truex went for a pass as Chastain went for a pass on a lapper, which resulted in the two tangling and Truex getting spun around. Uh, this yeah. was really unfortunate for Ch- for. Uh, for Truex, that that really Dude, sucks. So c- can I, I ask this question? I know I touch on F one too. We're stopping going for the extra point sometimes, and I was wrecking his car a couple weeks back, like going off track trying to get that one extra point. I think the points between stage win and stage second is five points. NASCAR's point system is set up where somebody like Truex, who's having a really good year, he's got a fast car, he's got a good team, they look like they're solid. Five points is not going to make or break his season, but wrecking out at Darlington could make a you know a big change in your season is it worth it for him to push as hard as he was pushing there just for an extra five points on the last lap of stage two I I agree I do not think that that was the right move I I think that was all on him too he pushed Ross up and then Ross got into the wall and when he got in the wall he came down and clipped his front um, right, and that's what sent him around. I don't think it was worth it, and I I agree with you, Levi. Yeah, I don't think he needs to be pushing the issue, especially that uh, with that much left in the race, there was still you know probably about 150 at that or 200 to go at that point, or uh, no, sorry, 150 to go at that point. And besides Bubba Wallace, he had the car to beat. Yeah, heck yeah. No, he had a supercar. Ross has looked good all day. He was up there. Um, but yeah, I think Truex probably overall, I mean, at that point, we're talking about at that point into stage two, he had the car, I think, to be. Yeah. Um, they were, if they could have kept up with changes, of course, Darlington has a weird track like that. Um, but man, it really, really seemed like he gave away the race for five points to me, which then in turn... Got him less points. You know what I, mean? I don't know. Yeah, because he finished eighth them. in that stage, Anyways, too. Beating a dead horse. I think everybody sees what I'm saying, but I just don't understand, and I think it's a another another thing that's going to happen with the s- stages. I don't like the stages. Um, this is kind of the stuff that happens when people are pushing when they shouldn't. I think that's uh, unfortunate for him, for sure. I think to wrap this up, and our, our hate, our dislike for stages... Without stages, Truex doesn't do that, and I think Truex could go on to win. Could go on to win that race, depending on how the the race ends up playing out. But he would have made he that definitely pass. Had the speed. He would have made that pass. It might not have been that lap. It might have been two laps later. 
and then he would have pulled away and depending on how cautions fell he could have he could have run away with that race yeah yeah without a doubt and uh unfortunately uh, well not unfortunately but unfortunately for Truex but Chastain did end up going on to win the stage um I don't think he really had anything come out of that for him maybe some minor left rear damage but that's about it yeah I was afraid it was more but yeah you're right I think it was a little bit of cosmetic damage at most yeah, nothing, nothing that affected his race. And then moving on to stage three, this is where it starts to get spicy. This is when the race really got good. I mean, it was awesome up until that point. I want to say I watched that whole 293 laps and I thought it was phenomenal. Um, but anyway, start of stage three, the, literally right at the beginning of the stage, we had the big one collecting like seven or eight cars. Um, it was crazy. There was, a, I think it was the 43 got, ended up getting into the wall and, or I think he had a tire go down. And he had he a tire up, fall off. Well, it fell off entirely. I'm eh? pretty sure it fell off. Now there was. I know some the replay; it was down. I know it yeah. was like the tire was going down on the replay. But I, you know, mind you, that you say that though, I did see a tire rolling at the end of that. It was his but tire. I saw it was, it when he came into the pits. He he was missing a tire. A lot of people were wondering if it broke off when he hit the wall, but I don't think he hit the wall uh, hard enough or even touched the wall with that side of his car. I think the tire fell off. I don't know if they didn't have. You got five of them. They put them down to one lug nut, and they still couldn't get it on. I was. That's been a problem too. A lot. I was under that same impression that it looked like the tire was loose during the spin before he hit the wall. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that's pretty much what ended up happening there. But I, I know a lot of guys have been talking about that recently. It's just, you know, at the beginning of the season, we or I think it was beginning of last year, whenever that lug came in for the first time, I know a lot of guys were having issues with the loose wheels. And I think it was hardware in the beginning, but now it's really just becoming to like, brushing too much like you just got to get that tire on you got one lug you just need to get that thing on that's the issue is there they you have dial pins you have to line up to get the tire completely on then you got to put the lug nut on that's what happened with Bubba Wallace they didn't get the dial pins slide up so they hit it but it didn't tighten the tire up that's why they had to bring the jack back around jack the car back up and put get the tire twisted to get the lugs on, to get the dials lined up, to put the lug on all the way. And I think a lot, maybe that that's what they missed was they weren't fully lined up with their dials. Yeah, hundred percent. There's there's probably some sort of issue going on there. Hundred hundred percent. But uh, moving back, they restart the race, get going around lap two hundred. They got some uh, hard battling to start the stage, or sorry, not to start. The st well, technically, I guess it is the start of the stage because the start of the stage was eight cars wrecking. So. Uh, they get back going after that restart. There was some hard battling between Chastain and Larson. They were going at it pretty much the entire race after Truex had his issues. Uh, Larson had a really quick car. And uh, they they had a couple of points where they were running both of each other, like both of them into the fence. They're just racing each other hard, like not right into the fence, but running them right up to that wall, not giving each other an inch. And uh, anyways, then we get into another caution. Sten uh, Stenhouse Jr. gets a tire go down. Unfortunately, this leaves us with uh, 80 to go in the race. Uh, we get back on again. Decent run. Green flag stops. Get going. Denny Hamlin tries to stretch his uh, his stint as long as possible, hoping for some caution. Unfortunately, <laughs> doesn't get it. Comes into pit. And uh, <laughs> with like 15 to go, Newman ends up losing it. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know, Newman's been running, runs, I think, he's running five or six races with that team. Rick um, Ware Racing, yeah. Yeah, with Rick Ware. He's running five or six races. Um this was one of them, and I guess unfortunate the way it ended for him. But uh, this is where it starts to get really interesting. Stage three, there, it becomes a short shoot now to the end. 
Um, so they get back to racing, you know, 13 to go, and we get another big wreck. Unfortunately, Truex again involved into it, and he almost made, he just made the same mistake. He just went in way too hard into the corner, slid up, and ended up right hooking himself off Logano into the wall, and it was just like he ended up collecting. There's another good, like, seven cars in that wreck. We had, what, Logano, Elliott? I mean, they didn't end up getting any major damage out of it. I mean, they all probably had minor except for Truex and Logano. Um, it's yeah, got to be, be Newman's number, right? 51? It's got to be his number. That's why he kept having all the bad luck. Oh, yeah, dude. I know, 51. Imagine <laughs> so like for everybody out there, that's Antonio's number in his legend car. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even get it. It was a bad was, joke, I guess, uh, apparently. Let's just move on. We let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what's this guy going on about? I was thinking number six because like, that's what he left with. I'm like, yeah. hold on a minute. Am I missing something? Was there like his old car number? But no, it said I'm getting pooed on for anyway. It's all good. I got a question. Truex tried to get going, but he was stuck. Why was he stuck? I saw that too. So his tires were flat. I think. It, I wonder if it was just spinning on the, on the like on the bead. You know what I mean? Like when it, it debeaded and it was now just the rim was just spinning because the rubber was holding it up enough that it wasn't touching the track. I think okay. that's I what ended up happening. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't we have a similar situation on pit road with somebody whose front tire got caught up underneath the front of their car a couple weeks back and they couldn't get it, so they blew the caution for somebody stuck on pit road? I don't know when that was or who that was, but I remember seeing that where he was pulling forward, pulling backwards, and he couldn't get it to move because of something to do with the tire underneath the front end of the car. No, I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Wasn't that, wouldn't that have been uh, Gibbs? I think so. I think so. And and the bad part of it is... (laughs) We got a car forty three who came in with three three wheels, and then another guy who spins, and he can't, he just can't get going. Yeah, I didn't know if that's the reason he was out of the race was because he had help to get back going because he couldn't move, or yeah, if there he was, was something he was just doing. He was doing some cool burnouts. Yeah, he was trying to drive, so I was like, oh, he thinks he can still go, and then he's out of the race because he couldn't get going because he just spun his tires. Well, we know these toe links are pretty touchy too. You know, I don't know if maybe one of them got both of them got broke or something on that rear suspension, but yeah, no, they went away with the uh, inner tire liner as soon as the uh, low profile tires ended up. Uh, they ended up doing away with them at at that point. So, I guess to your point, uh, Norman, it would it would make sense if we had some um, back in. I don't know if it's gone because of the low profile tires or or what's going on there, but yeah, it's I, I just don't like the tire for that reason. It's just like. As soon as you get any assistance of any kind, they, they DNF you. So it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like why? It's like how we were talking about the safety last year, and um, and here we are, safety podcast again. But it's yeah. like when we're talking about safety when they were backing cars into the wall, and and how did the safety go backwards? Like how did we go from the safest car ever to not the safest car ever? Right. And now we're dealing with tires, and it's just like how did we go from tires that worked back to tires that don't work once like once they're popped you're, you're dnfing because of that anyways frustrating but yeah let's all right man, can we get to this race come on man <laughs> yeah, yeah well, anyway. let's go yeah what happened <laughs> uh so anyways we had that uh we had that wreck there with 13 to go so it caused another wreck we ended up getting back on another restart gets us going with six to go and I remember our uh our boys there chastain and larson who'd been going at it side by side all race well, they finally went too hard and ended up getting into each other. So Chastain sends it in. Uh, Larson pinches him down. And uh, the two, unfortunately, end up in the fence together with Chastain getting right hooked, very similar to what happened to um, 
Truex and uh, Logano. Exact same situation pretty much, except, uh, and I know there's going to be debates with this, but I'm just going to say it how I saw it. So it looked like, in my opinion, Larson pinched him down pretty hard. Fair. He's ruined two of his races now. I'll make it three now, but two. he's ruined three of his races. He's just not given an inch. And uh, Chastain threw it in, and he slid up too. So it's just one of those things where it's a racing deal. I mean, they're running hard. Um, it was funny too, because as soon as they ended up getting side by side, they were, you know, kind of in a T formation there with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with, uh, Ch- Ch- Chastain sideways and, uh, Larson pushed him down the track for like a hundred feet, which was hilarious. And, uh, you know, these two got a bit of history now. So, uh, this is over the last three races. This is gonna, well, it might be more than three, actually. I think, uh, there's three occasions, but it's happened over a few races now. And, uh, yeah, we got some history between these two now. Uh, this is going to be like the new Chastain and Denny thing. Chastain's just getting into everybody now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, all, I'm, all I'm saying is I'm so glad that you said that Larson pushed him down first because that has been not seen by anyone except for yourself, apparently. Uh, no one's seeing that point that Larson already kind of put the elbow down like, dude, don't don't pinch me here. And then Chastain was like, dude, I'm going to you know kind of lean back on him like, I'm on a bench you here, bro. Like, I'm, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. And that was before they ever got into turn one. But a lot of finger pointing going towards Ross on this. It, it's 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 almost comical because Hendrick came out and said something. Um, But yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's one of those things where it's like Chastain's lost credibility now because he's gotten into so many things that have been his fault. And and now I understand, like I I said this, I think uh, an episode or two ago and he, you know, he's been in wrecks this season that have been his fault and some others that haven't, but people have just blamed on him. And I think this is one of those things where it's like, when you get into everybody week in and week out, one, you build enemies and two, everybody's going to just start blaming you now. And it's one of those things where it's like, it might, this is my take on it. Larson, I, I think he had all of the rights in the world to do that. He could totally pinch him down. But I think in it's one of those things where it's like, in doing that, you know that you're putting yourself in a situation where you could potentially get wrecked because of doing that. So yeah, you're going to pinch him. You're going to give him no space. But you now take away all of his margin of error, which unfortunately is what happened. Yep. And then now he comes and slides up into you and boom, you're both in the fence. Um, so, you know, it did end up affecting Chastain more. I mean, Chastain was, I think he was out. He was out at that point. Um, and I th- didn't Larson continue to finish the race? I think all they did was pull his right fender out. I mean, his toe was out at that point, but he did go yeah, on he, to finish at least. He had some substantial front damage also um, on his car. It wasn't competitive, I don't think, at that point. Yeah, definitely nothing um, Definitely nothing to, you know, nothing to carry on about. He, he ended up 20th, I mean, so he wasn't dead last by any means. Yeah, nothing but, to so. show for. Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Yep. Um. Anyways, you know, we finally get going, um, and uh, out of nowhere, well, I say out of nowhere, he was up there all race doing phenomenal, but uh, we get back on again for our green-white checkered, and Willie B, man, absolutely dominates the green-white checkered restart. He pulled away, and he did not look back, and this was crazy to see, because this would have been the 100th win for that number 24 team, which was awesome with Gordon there and Hendrick there, that was beautiful. And it was the first time that uh, Hendrick had been to victory lane at Darlington since 2012. So wow. that was pretty That was pretty cool to see. Yeah, se- seven, seven tenths. It was almost a whole second ahead by the end of that, and that was a green-white checker. So it only took you two laps to get that gap. Um, and on top of that, my man Kevin Harvick. I know. You know. Dang it. Come on, runner-up, runner baby. Maybe one day. 
Yeah. Maybe one day. I think he will this year. I've been saying yeah. it. I'm going to keep saying it. I mean, heck, he's got second at Darlington. I didn't think that was going to happen for him. I think so, too. So, I think he's going to get one. But but I, I got I got to, you know, I got to go back to the Chastain Larson, just the aftermath that is going on right now. And I'll just say the witch hunt that is going on right now with Ross Chastain is really, really frustrating to see. I understand the man might have done it to himself a little bit, but at the same time, there was three different restarts with these two cars, and every time there was mutual contact between the both of them. And this last time, it just didn't happen out too much. And and I don't know, if, um, I you know, like I always say, I can only race it on the sim. But Darlington Turn One, dude, you can only go into that if you're on the high line. There's one way you can go into it, and if you're on the low line, there's kind of only one way, you know. Um, and when they push each other around before you ever get there, your cars aren't set up for the corner as well. It looked like they did get them lined back up, but then I've watched the replay in slow-mo numerous times for numerous different uh, views, trying to figure out what's going on to see who was really at fault. Can't really see who's at fault, unfortunately. But it looked like to me that Larson was really, really pushing him down, which is just hurting himself when when you try to go into the corner on the high side. I, I you can't you, You're better to take that high line and go on around, but yeah, I don't know what's going on in their mind at that point. So I think Ross is moving too quickly, man. I think like he's he won Talladega, you know, he smashed the watermelon, the whole coda throwing the watermelons off the tower thing. I don't know. Anyway, like he's kind of like the he's the front and then the you know, the hell melon, whatever. You know what you know where I'm going with this. The dude is definitely the face of NASCAR on the marketing side of things. And um, I've heard, I mean, I've heard a lot of witch hunt, but I've on the other side, there's some people comparing him to Dale Sr., like Mr. Intimidator, you know? And well, that's a, what I was going to yeah. say is you got to earn your stripes. That's, that's where, like, I'm not a longtime NASCAR fan, but I get the whole... I get it when it comes to like, you got to earn your stripes, you know, like this guy's won some races and stuff, but you can't just come in, start pushing people around. Um, there was a, a good video I watched today. I I'll, I'll, uh, if I can find it again, I'll link it in the show notes, but it basically, uh, was talking about how, um, I mean, track house is a Chevy company, you know, and they're Hendrick, has their hands in building engines for track house. There's a lot of connections here. So like you can push people around, but you got to pick who you push around, you know, and pushing around the, you know, the star boy of Hendrick is not the best move probably politically and literally. Um, and I know Antonio, you you were gonna dial it up. I have a clip dialed up of of Rick Hendrick talking um, in a in a press conference. But I mean, as he says in the conference, like we can ruin your championship, Ross. Like if you piss us off, you're not gonna win a championship because we'll just spin your ass. It's like your your future's in our hands. Like be careful. It's who a four v one. Yeah, be careful who you mess with because. You're picking the fight with the wrong guy here. Um, I don't know if it was totally Ross's fault, but I know that if I'm Kyle Larson, I'm okay picking the fight because I know I've won the fight kind of a little bit. 
like I, it's good tv and it's it's good it's good stock car racing to have a little bit of a feud um it's good for the fans it's whatever but if you're ross you gotta you gotta take it easy a little bit i think he's on a bit of a high you know what i'm saying well on that point i get what you're saying uh one i think rick hendrick said that i you know you'll you'll cue it up uh we can get it out of the horse's mouth but there's contracts, you know, there's money involved. He's a businessman. Um, but yeah, he, he wants his racers winning. I know he'd probably give them, you know, three, four, three, four, five horsepower less or something, you know what I mean? And the engine to say, oh, it's just the way they were built. But he can't tell me that he's giving them the best off the lot already. Right. So, um, I don't know, man, if he does that I, to me, I got tons of restri- respect for Mr. H. I'll pretty much lose it all if that's the case. Yeah. Um, if, if he goes out and wrecks Ross Chastain, because the deal is we've had guys in the in the NASCAR that's come and gone that were doing all this kind of stuff, but they're only doing it back in 20th. He's he's leading the points. I mean, it's not like he's some trash racer who can't right. get it done. No, he's good. Ross Chastain's yeah. an incredibly talented stock car driver, and maybe, I mean, and other stuff too. It's got to be. But, yeah, and I'm not saying that you can't push people around and you can't be aggressive, but... Pick your battles a little, you know. Nah. Nah? Win it all. Uh, Win it all. And I'm the Joey Logano fan, and this guy's saying, <laughs> Yeah, right? I know. The two-faced Joey Logano. Hey, I'm a two-faced Joey Logano fan. Look at me. But, uh, <laughs> no, let's dial up this cli- uh, clip from Rick Hendrick. Um, this was in a press conference. I'll definitely le- link this video in the show notes. Um, the look on Jeff Gordon's face during this video is pretty priceless too um but anyway yeah let's take a listen to this has ross chastain crossed a line i think you can ask any driver in here that he's wrecked i've been involved with him he you know he doesn't have to be that aggressive and i guess at this at this point in the race maybe you're you're super aggressive but you just don't run people up in the fence or you know just he's not gonna He's going to make a lot of enemies. That it's hard to win a championship when you got a lot of paybacks out there, and uh, so I, I, he's got so much talent. I think if he just calmed down, that uh, there's a time to race. Dale Earnhardt uh, told me. Dale Earnhardt Senior told me one time. He said, "You know, I won't name the driver who drove for me, but he said, uh, you know, he's got all the talent. He just doesn't know how to race." and uh, and meaning he just knows when to race, when to push it. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, but he's making a lot of enemies out here. And I mean, Kyle, now this is this this one in Dover, and you know it, this uh, it's it's getting Talladega. It's really getting old with these guys. And obviously, these guys are competitors, but this is another Chevrolet driver. So um, I don't care if he's driving a Chevrolet if he wrecks our cars. I don't care, and I've told Chevrolet that. If you wreck us, you're going to get it back. And if you don't do it, they'll run all over you. So, you know, I'm, I'm loyal to Chevrolet, but when somebody runs over us, then I expect my guys to hold their ground. And not, I'm not going to let them ask them to yield just because of the Chevrolet. Jeff Gordon looks kind of scared the whole time. <laughs> it's kind of funny anyway. <laughs> what you guys? What do you think about that? Uh I've got a lot of things to talk about. I know you do, Norman. (laughs) (laughs) First off, y'all know me, and what do I say? 
race me how you want to be raced. And both those guys through the whole race were leading on each other the whole race. So, I, so when it comes to me, I can't point a finger at either one of them. Yes, did Ross end up making it worse? He leaned on him the hardest at the end. But you got to expect that ladder to be climbed, that you're going to start leaning on them more and more towards the end of the race. And they had already been leaning on each other earlier in that race. So you knew it. They even said it in the booth. They knew this was coming. Yeah. They're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was coming. So on the post-race side, Ross, I don't know what he meant by this, but in his post-race interview when they got him coming out of the infield care center, he said, I'm the one talking to y'all. Who is it? And apologized for, he said, I just pushed too hard. And he claimed it. He said, I just pushed too hard and I wrecked myself. So you got to give yeah. the guy credit. That's exactly what no, happened. Yeah. 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 And, and on that point, I don't think he was saying anything, but I, I don't think he wanted to speak for anyone else. I think that's what he was trying to say when, yes. when they asked him about, you know, Larson. I think he was more like, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm here with you guys talking to you right now. He's not. So. Yes. And that, that's, that's what I think. But we have to put that out there. That's how I felt it went. Yes, Antonio. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I really do think it's a racing deal, and I think the media is blowing this entire thing between Larson and um, and uh, Chastain out of proportion a little bit. They're, like, yeah, they definitely do race each other hard. Like, it's one of those things where they're, like, they're racing each other hard, and it's one of those, like, on-track-only battles to, like, uh, I'm thinking of a term, and I can't think of it, so I'm going to use battle. But it's one of those things where it's one of those drivers that you go race with every week that you don't like on the track of how they race now because of something they potentially could have done to you. So you're always going to run them harder, but you don't want to start something where you're intentionally dumping each other and stuff. Like, look at Larson. I mean, they didn't interview him this week, but the last times that his races have been ruined by him, I mean, Larson's like the most mellow dude I've ever met. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, I've never met him, but you know what I mean? He's the most mellow dude ever. Like, he's super chill. He even admitted like it was a racing deal last time. We didn't get to interview him this time, but they d we did hear his in-car audio. Um, I don't know if you guys did, but I did hear it. Um, I'll, we can drop a link here in the uh, media uploads channel on the Discord, so come check it out. But they uh, look the guy that was most upset was his spotter. I mean, Larson came on the radio; he wasn't even mad. So I think it's just something that he knows they're racing each other hard and giving each other no room. Because they don't like each other that much, but it's not something that they're going to be wrecking each other week in and week out, I think. I think it's just going to be something that's eventually going to settle itself, but the media is going to blow it up because it's, you know, it's something that's in right now. It's it's a trend or whatever you want to call it, you know? And going back yeah. to the Hendrick interview, I think Rick Hendrick was the one who's out of line. I agree. That's what I was going to say, too. You beat me to it. Go ahead. Yeah. I think Rick Hendrick is the one that stepped over the line. Jeff, if you look, Jeff Gordon looks uncomfortable in that interview. He's like, what is this guy talking about? He's, I don't know much about his history. All I know is Rick Hendricks came in a NASCAR. He built a great team. 
It's dominated. But Jeff Gordon drove for Rick Hendrick, and Jeff Gordon looks like, dude, but be quiet. Like, you're saying all the wrong things right now is the, the feel that I got from Jeff Gordon on that. And I'm not a Jeff Gordon fan. I don't know if y'all from y'all get the same feeling. Well, what I've gotten from other interviews I was watching, I watched a lot on this, just trying to get maybe open my mind up more um, and, and, you know, get a different angle on it. But it sounds like Rick Hendrick, it takes a lot to get him riled up. I think that was kind of probably what the issue was that, you know, you get somebody who's usually low key and he's coming out saying, you keep messing with, we're not going to, you know, you're not going to win a championship kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, um, I think Jeff reaction was just because of the simple, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's just not used to, I don't think him coming out verbally like that. Um, but I'm not either. And the way I took it as, Oh, big Mr. H, you know what I'm saying? Big Mr. H, he, uh, he done, you know, said something. So now we all got to bow down and I do not like that at all. I've never been one of those that anybody's bigger than the sport. So, um, anyways, just that, that's no, I, that. I I agree a hundred percent. I I felt that he stepped over the line and that's my opinion and I'm a title to it, just like you are a title to it. And Man. NASCAR's got a, what is that, North Wilsboro? All North Wilsboro race. That's gonna be fun. Saturday, it's Saturday night, all right? Star race. Hey, Harvick's bring it back to twenty nine, boys. I saw that. He's bringing it back to twenty nine. You know what happened last All Star race? I'm just saying. I'm just it saying. It is. Yeah, then the race is Saturday saying. night, right? That's going to be fun. Coming this week is the NASCAR NASCAR All Star race. Uh, this can take place at North Wilkesboro Speedway. The return is happening. They did rebuild it. Big shout out to Dale Jr. and all the people that made that possible. Uh, so for once, we're going to be back there. I know Norman's going to love that because he's ancient. So uh, and so is that Speedway. So uh, let's roll into how the format works real quick to make it nice and easy for you. Uh, so on Friday, we're going to have practice. It's so just your normal practices, nothing crazy. Uh, second, we're going to roll into qualifying on the Friday as well. Uh, so it is going to be a pit crew-based uh, qualifying. So it's going to be based off of the pit crew challenge that they always do. Uh, so it'll be a four-tire pit stop, no fuel. The results will determine the starting lineups for the All-Star Heat races and the All-Star Open. Uh, following that, we go to Saturday, which, you know, just a truck race, normal. Uh, then we go to All-Star Heat number one and Heat number two. Uh, so the Heat races will be 60 laps each. Uh, results of the Heat race one will be determining the inside row. We've seen this before with the duels and the Daytona 500, so it'll be the same thing. Uh, results for Heat race number two will obviously determine the outside row. Um, another thing, Sunday will be the All-Star Open. Uh, so the All-Star Open will be a 100-lap race. With a competition break around lap 40, uh, the teams will start on sticker tires and have one additional set in the pits. Following the All-Star Open, we'll move into the All-Star Race. Uh, so All-Star Race field will be determined by the 2022 and 2023 NASCAR Cup Series points race winners. Uh, the past All-Star Race winners and NASCAR Cup Series championships will also be taking two drivers from the All-Star Open, so that'll be the top two, and then a NASCAR fan vote winner, a.k.a. Chase Elliott, will probably be in the uh in the race as well so uh it'll be a 200 lap race uh all laps will be counting um there will be a competition break on or around lap 100 uh each team will begin on sticker tires have three additional sets to use but following the competition caution only one set of stickers will be used uh, so it'll make for a competitive format we're looking forward to it 
Uh, it'll be a good race like it always is. Hopefully my boy Ryan Blaney can take it home like he did uh, last time we were out here for the uh, All-Star race. So taking home the $1 million. So who's going to win? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. I think we've said enough on this, and I think it's time to move on to IndyCar. Ryan Blaney. Indy, baby. Um, Indy at the Indy Grom Grand Prix this week. So it's the road course at Indy. So we run the front stretch backwards which is the weirdest thing yeah yeah qualifying was crazy i don't know if you'll yes, notice how many good cars started from behind 12th place and y'all know how indy qualifying works right mostly it's yeah it's not the easiest thing to follow but so you it. have two sets that qualify two uh, we got on this in this race we have thirteen and fourteen, so you had thirteen cars and fourteen cars qualified. The top six move on to the top twelve. Then from there, from the top twelve, the top six move on to final qualifying. So to give y'all, Colton Herta, Scott McLaughlin, um, New Garden, Simon Pagano. All didn't make the fast 12. Knocked out. All huh? knocked out in the first round. Now, put it this way, there are two qualifying rounds for that, but it was 13 cars and 14 cars, but they all didn't make it out of the qualifying group, and they all weren't in the same qualifying group. Scott McLaughlin, Colton Herta were all in the same qualifying group. So that means Seth, Simon Pagano and Newgarden were in the first qualifying group. They all didn't make it out, so they all had to start in the back of the field. Not in the back of the field, but towards the end of the field, in the bottom 12. So they kind of so they kind of knocked each other out, so to speak, just by the way they all lined up, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so we were already messed up and how qualifying went this week but i feel like this track for indycar is a driver's track well that's a wrong term i feel like it's a a track that anyone can come to compete at so when it comes to race pace it's not that hard for them to put down a great lap so I think that's why we saw this this week in qualifying and how it worked out. But getting on to the more interesting fact, we had, like I said, Christian Lingard starting on pole, his first career pole this week. Awesome. Uh, yes. Rosenquist starting second and Pelot starting third. Moving on from there, awesome start, you know, Five wide spread out down the front stretch of Indy going into T1. And Pelot was able to push Lingard past Rosenquist and try to take him on the outside. And Lingard shut him down. But before the end of lap one, Pelot on the soft reds, Lingard on the hard blacks, Pelot got around him. I think that was the, the ultimate strategy. I think you need to start on reds up front. I think the blacks would have been better to start on towards the back. 
that's I'm not a race engineer. I don't know, but that's the feel I got. It's also Alex Pillow versus Christian Lungard. Yes. Which he took pole, but Yes. Um But Lingard came back at him towards the end of the race and got the lead back when he went to reds and Pillow was on wax. So I think if Lingard could have opened the gap up early, he could have done something. But that's hearsay. Because it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good race. The interesting point is early in the race, we had um, Romain try to take over Stingray Rob down there, what I call the back straight, and tried to outbreak him, and they got into a chicken fest. And Stingray Rob took out his teammate, Davis. Davis Malukas and Stingray move. Yeah. Sting, to, total Stingray move. <laughs> <laughs> but Romain wouldn't have made the turn either. So it was very interesting. Romain went wide into the grass and made it around the wreck. So no one talks yeah, about him. It was. Yeah, it was not good by either driver there um that was a big big error on both parts i agree but it's another one of those you know it's kind of like stingray every seems like every race there's something you know yeah so dang it it was i'm not gonna say that romaine was out of anything i think he antagonized him to do that and kind of had the idea that hey if I don't break, I go in the grass. If he doesn't break, he goes into his teammate. So, but what we, we call the caution and we get back going. And I think the more controversy call is, but just because how the announcer said it was power versus Kirkwood. Um, T1 and T2. I thought watching the review, I thought that was all on Kirkwood. NBC tried to say that power pushed him out, but from how deep Kirkwood came into that, I blame Kirkwood. I, no, I agree on that one. Um, yeah, that was yet again, not, not a smart racing move. I, I mean, you're going to get those during the race, but those are pretty big. Yeah. So, you know. Kirkwood did end up getting the penalty, which NBC had kind of talked about he didn't deserve. I thought it was his fault. So it was. And no caution from that. It just spun Powell, Pow, Powell, Power. And Kirkwood got the penalty. He served his penalty. Long story short, the race goes on. The race went pretty good from that point on. Then you had, I think, you had the battle between Lengard and Pelot on the, the tire strategy for when they swapped tires. Pelot tried to, or Lengard tried to come back at Pelot. He did. But long story sure, short, Alex had the tire strategy. And then from there, Lengard just fell off. And the, um, 
McLaren Aero Boys came alive. There was nothing they could do to touch below, but Pato Ward and Alexander Rossi were able to get it across, get Lingard. So you had a Alex Below first, Pato Ward second, Alexander Rossi third, then Lingard. But I think you got to look at your Joseph Newgardens, your Colton Herdas, all finishing top 11, coming back from terrible qualifying results. I feel like what I'm trying to say is the the guys who stand out in IndyCar still stood out in this race for me, even though they didn't do well in qualifying. Um, I don't know. I mean, and also Indy Road's also always kind of a weird race. But uh, I'll be honest, I had a very busy weekend, so I watched extended highlights and interviews and things. But um, the the narrative of the race was that Alex Pillow was relatively dominant. Mm-hmm. And our boy Pato Award taking second again. Maybe one day, Pato. Maybe one day. And then I'll buy your hat because I really like your logo. No, his logo's badass. But, you know. Yeah, I, I think... I agree with you. I think the the drivers, the cream came to the top in the race. And I don't know if it's drivers or is it the teams that push their drivers to the top that kind of know how to run the strategy better. I'm starting to get the... I mean... I'm starting to get that feeling. At the top of the top? I mean, yeah, sure. The teams play a factor in every sport. I mean, you see it in every... Whether it's you know soccer or football or, or f- football or football <laughs> for, uh but like football it, it, it doesn't football. matter like yeah any in, in any sports program team the team matters um but indycar is kind of spec kind of so yeah but you're but your ganassis your penskis your andretti's are gonna have the best in race engineers on the box yeah, and that matters. So, I don't think I don't think it makes a guy like Pato Award consistently get second place, though. No, but I'm telling you, it puts you having a bad qualifying day running for one of those teams able to jump up into the top ten. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that's why we see the but New I, Gardens and the Colton Herdas sitting in the top ten right now. And for this race, it was it was really it was really cool to see Christian Lungard up there, elbows out doing his thing. I was really happy to see him up there battling. And didn't uh, Roman finish like tenth or eleventh out 11th. of eleventh? Yeah, that's pretty started good. I mean, eight, what started eighteenth? Yeah, started eighteenth. Stingrayed. <laughs> yeah, bummer. Anyway, it was a good, I thought it was a good race. Uh, it's a good way to kick off the month of May. And Alex Pillow w- was really strong, taking second last year in the Indy 500. So um, maybe he'll get her done this year. We also had the Indy Next Series presented by Firestone running this week with them. Our boy Josh Green started sixth, finished sixth. Just want to give a shout out to him. But... I guess it's time to move on to the IMSA race at Laguna Seca, which I don't know how many of y'all caught it, but I felt was a actually fun race to watch. It was only two hours and 40 minutes long, but we'll move on to it. I love Laguna Seca. I love that track. I don't know why. 
I guess probably because it's on a bunch of video games when I was a kid. Because it's awesome. But I love the track. I do love the track. Laguna Seca is awesome. Been trying, to get some, been trying to get somebody to run an F3 league there somewhere. You know what I mean? But uh, <clears throat> I know. You want to fight? I mean, I, I could show up to a race. That would probably help. But anyways, Laguna Yeah, Seca. yeah. I was going to say, man. I was like, you ain't even here, bro. Come on. But uh, no, dude, I like that. I mean, I'm sure Norman's got a bunch of notes on it. But I really like the guy that got forced to, uh, to enter the pits. That was pretty great. I can't lie. Yeah, he unwillingly was boxing the slap, and that was <laughs> hilarious. But uh, anyways, I'll let Norman go on the spiel. Uh, I don't know how much y'all caught of the race. The start was crazy. Um, The Wayne Taylor, yeah, Wayne Taylor racing car, um, starting third, got around the number two Porsche and forced the number one Porsche to major lockup into turn one. Uh, I think there had to be over 100 feet lockup. I haven't seen one of something that big in a while. Uh, rear, rear left locked up. <laughs> so it was a crazy start, but we think we made it a couple laps into the race before the, the first caution came out. We had a caution. Honestly, don't remember what it was for, but I remember we had an early caution. But getting back to what Antonio said, we were right there, probably halfway between pit stops. No one was pitting yet, and we had caught GTD or GT3 lap traffic for the GTMs. And I don't know what the Porsche was thinking. I think he thought that the GT3 was going to let off, and he didn't. The Porsche came down into the last turn and pushed the GT3 off into pit lane, ruining their race. They ended up getting a penalty for it. Unfortunate. Not unfortunate. It was all their fault. Again, NBC tried to claim that it wasn't the Porsche's fault, but you got to know when there's a car to your inside that you can't try to make a pass into the final turn with how that pit road is. Uh... I want to kind of take a step back here. I don't know if y'all noticed this. Uh, I know any of y'all didn't notice this. But Luguna second coming out of the corkscrew all the way through to the second to final turn has new runoff for about five feet. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. So now if you run wide, oh, whoop-de-freaking-do, you're not in the sand. It used to. I was going to say, used to as a death trap, pretty much, because those corners were yeah, very technical. And I'm kind of upset about that, but we can touch on that later, or we can move on from it. I think they did it for multi-class, because there's not enough places at, Sa at Laguna Seca to overtake GT traffic. Because I noticed there was a lot of GT uh, traffic figuring out happening straight out of the corkscrew. Because the um, LMDH cars or the um, the uh, D DPI, what are they? GTP. <laughs> GTP. Yeah. GTP. Yeah. GTPs, the chat GTP yeah. cars. <laughs> are LMDHs? <laughs> what, what, which one do you want? You choose LMDHs or GTPs? It's, it's GTP. Right, well, GTPs, what they yeah, call it. The chat G GPT cars were really like straight, <laughs> straight out of the corkscrew, though. They could get on the gas. I mean, it was impressive. And near the end of the race, when um, Hardy, right, and the Porsche was trying to catch. Um, Whaley. The, 
Cadillac. The whaling. Right. Yeah, at there at the end of the race, like all of the a lot of the work was getting done out of the corkscrew, which just I mean, it's not like I'm a race car driver. I just drive in the sim. But when you race at Laguna Seca, like the layouts were were running now with the not the runoff, like that's just not possible. Like I mean, it is, but it's like horribly dangerous coming out of the corkscrew to go on the outside of a GT car around that left hander and keep pace. You know, so, I mean, I get why they did it, if that's why they did it. I have, um, I have a question. So, well, one, one, I did see the runoff changes, and I thought it was quite odd, too, because I, I do think, as Norman said, there's nothing to punish you for running wide anymore. And I think a lot of places are going to pave runoff, and while I understand they are safer, it does kind of change the entire dynamic of the track. Um, It's not as, I don't know. It's the, the the risk reward is now a finer margin. Like it's like the, you can risk a lot more and get a lot more reward, kind of thing. So, so anyways, moving on, more impressive where they didn't have runoff was down the front stretch, and that did not hold back from the G- GTPs passing the leading Corvette GT3 down the front stretch three wide through the dirt which I thought was pretty impressive. I think it was the um, Meyer-Shank Acura 60 and the Porsche pushing the Corvette three wide down the straightaway. And the Acura was the one that went to the dirt. And I don't see how he held onto the car because he, he, all four tires through the sand around him, which I thought was pretty impressive. So, you know, we get into that. We have another late race caution. Uh, I think it was because the Porsche 07 went wide coming out. Well, came to the corkscrew in the turn after the corkscrew. Lost it, tried to save it, and couldn't hold on to it. And just buried into the... He didn't bury into the wall. He sideswiped the wall, putting debris all over the track. Couldn't get on the pit lane. Car was destroyed. I do have to say on this point, and this is going to get in the sim side, they replaced the front fender, the rear fender and wing, and the engine cover, all within 40 seconds, and put the car back on the track because there was no damage to the f- suspension. In iRacing, that would have been 15 <laughs> yes. minutes, bro. <laughs> 15 minutes of repairs, no, no doubt. So... I'm just saying, like, come on, iRacing. If a car can replace a panel, let him replace the panel. That's one of those, come on now, dog moments. Come on now, dog. (laughs) But Uh, That's funny. I know coming coming out of the caution, it was a lap after the caution. The 01 ends up taking the lead. There was four minutes and 30 probably seconds left in the race the Cadillac 01 takes the lead and he doesn't turn back uh, it yep. was a dominant performance by them they didn't have qualifying speed but they said they had race pace which shows <laughs> that a great start to May for Ganassi <laughs> Ganassi winning Indianapolis Grand Prix 
and winning the Long Beach um, race with IMSA, which is huge. Ganassi will be running the 01 and the 02, both at Le Mans, and Whaling will be running the uh, 311, I want to say, at Le Mans. Love to see it. Ford couldn't do it. Ford not bridge, you dummy. I had to start. <laughs> that was funny. He took a shot. Took a shot. Bang, America, baby. Oh, man. That's so funny. Well, it's good to see Cadillac doing well. I'm excited to see what they can do at Lamar. Um, Hi, Antonio. Since you're taking shots, yeah. um, who beat who in both races of League Zero? Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it goes Me? at Imola, okay? <laughs> if you even show up, you might be too scared. <laughs> Speaking of League Zero, we have round one. I'll briefly just go over it. It's a good race. We went to, uh, well, not for me, man, but anyways. That was my first time back on the uh, Watkins Glen, um, the new scan. I know I'm pretty outdated with X. I think, didn't it get scanned like a year or two ago? It was a while ago, but anyways, first time back on that. That was awesome. Fun track. Great time. Classic boot layout, too. That's a fun time in a formula car, let me it tell is. you. Apparently, a lot of guys a lot of guys like the, the um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Dang. The bus stop included. But yeah, uh, me personally, I'm a no bus stop guy in a formula car. NASCAR, I'll take the bus stop every day of the week, but uh, formula cars, I'm not about that life. Um, but that's about it. I mean, Dave was, wish he had the bus stop on the sprint yeah, race. This, we don't yeah, talk about does. that. <laughs> nah, we're good. We don't need to talk about that. They, they forgot what a corner was for a bit there. No. <laughs> Oops. But, uh, you know, after round one in the standings, we got uh, TGS on top um, for uh, the team championship and then uh, driver's championship. None other than the uh, returning championship, uh, champion, Finley, on top. They're uh, new points format, too, so that'll be cool to see how that plays out throughout the uh, duration of the season. Um, I'll just quickly run through who won what race, and that's about it. Uh, so first race, our winner was Finley, and I think he won the second race too, didn't he? Actually, no, I don't think he did. I think uh, Reed won the second race. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a good race overall. Uh, nothing crazy. We're going to Imola next week, uh, running in line with F1, so check us out Thursday night on uh, Team Goon Squad. Uh, also, shout out to our boys, Team Goon Squad. Check them out, teamgoonsquad.com, uh, leaguezero.net. Check us out, and uh, see you guys hopefully there Thursday nights at, uh, what is it, 9 Eastern, we start racing, so check us out. And speaking of Amala, I mean, <clears throat> like you said, right in line with F1, so that ties us right into The F1. Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Primo del Maiden Italy El Del Amelia Romagna Grand Prix of 2023, you, coming you up. You practiced that 10 Boom. times, and you still bought shit, but I okay. know. Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Primo del Made in Italy e del Emilia Romagna in 2023 coming at you. Peace that, that was the widest. That was the widest. You mean, or, or you need the, the most redneck American. to say that? No, that was the most American way to say Bang. that. It <laughs> be that way. The Formula One yeah. Qatar Airways <laughs> Grand Primo <laughs> del Italy coming at you. Hey. <laughs> Let's get our Italian to say it. I was going to say we got an Italian on here. All right, hold on. Let me pull it up. I got to look at the, the Texans say it. The Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Primo del Made in Italy. Or uh, Emily. Emilia 2023, like I was Romagna gonna say. 2023 <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> Send me the name. Racing. I got to see it. What is it called? Racing for Grandjo. Oh, okay, here it is. 
All right, we have the Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italia e del, del Emilia Romana 2023. That's the best I could do. The f- that's a, that made is a mouthful, Italy dude. E del, that is does a that mean like Dell they... computers? No, my... E Dell, that's no. and Dell, right? Well, it just says Dell. I think I botched it and said E. Oh, oh, oh no, that's, no, no. I see what you're Adele. saying. Italian. It's the Adele. Qatar Airways yeah. Grand Prix of Made in, Made in Italy and Dell, Emilia Romagna, right? That's what the translation is, right? E oh, is, no is and, right? In Italian? Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Uh, Here yes. We go. See? So it's in Dell computers. Del, really, Del, means, Del means of. Oh, e, So I think e it's Del made in Italy. Of. Of Emilia and yeah, and of Emilia Romana. It's, yeah, I think it's just like how they um, format it. If you were to say like, it's not you like know, we say e like Lenovo. <laughs> yeah, you know how you can say like I live in you know British Columbia, Canada, whereas for them it's kind of soy day. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a soy Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hell, let me hit this one more time. Hold on. Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italia e del Emilia Romana 2023. Ooh, That's the best I can do. That was very nice, sir. That was pretty slick. Pretty slick. I felt it. I know. There's, there's probably some Italian man listening like, get this white dude out of get here. Get this white dude out of here. <laughs> oh, it's me and Mario. What are you doing? I could say it and just butcher it. So no, okay. wait, we're good. We're good. There's gonna be a there's, there's so, gonna be a Grangio in there somewhere. They'll they'll made in Grangio. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Oh God! If it happens, hey guys, sorry to let you know, but a um, couple days after we recorded this episode, we found out that the Emila, what was it, the Emilia Romagna, uh, Saudi, it doesn't matter anyway, um, <laughs> uh, is canceled due to really heavy rains and very serious flooding in the area. So first of all, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all of those fine folks um, in Italy. Uh, we hope that you know you can take care of your family and get everyone safe. Racing doesn't matter when you put it up next to these type of things. So we're totally fine with the decision, first of all. And second of all, um, good luck to all the F1 guys getting all of their stuff back and loaded i saw some pretty nasty pictures of uh that place but anyway our our hearts go out to the people in italy and the um staff and everyone in formula one and we uh hope to see you back on track soon if it happens yeah well it's back to the regular format of practice 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 qualify race so that's good hallelujah Um, but yeah i mean that sprint race garbage out here but but dave did let us in on a little no tidbit of information. Uh, just a couple of, from recording this a couple of hours uh, previous. Um, little change to the qualifier. Yeah, yeah. We thought we thought Levi was the F one guy, but then Dave informed us I that he's like, hey, oh, hey, dropping some facts does. on you. So traditionally, he's in fact, not up to par. Yeah, I was like, hey guys, did you know <laughs> this new Formula One fact? I, per- I I I specifically looked it up to make Levi feel like. Anyway. Um, okay, I'm <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Poor guy's just getting So destroyed. no, traditionally in Formula 1 qualifying, the tire you use in Q2, or the second qualifier, is the one that you need to use in the race. Not just the compound, but the specific set that you set your fastest lap on. For reasons that I sh- I'm sure I could clarify, but will become more clear as the week goes on, so I will not do that now. In, in Q1... 
you have to start on hards now. In Q2, we have to be on mediums, and in Q3, we have to be on soft compound tires. The implications of this, I think, are going to be huge because as we've seen through the season, um, these tire compounds don't do exactly what you think they're going to do when you think they're going to do it. Sometimes the hard is faster than the medium. Um, anyway, I think that we could see some people squeak through into Q2 on hard tires um, that maybe shouldn't be there, possibly, uh, or wouldn't be there if everyone were on softs instead. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's a big change. Do I like it? Uh, I don't know. I kind of dug the getting a preview of Sunday on Saturday, getting to see like, oh man, like, you know, Valtteri's starting on hards. Like he's going to go for the long, you know, like, cool. I dig it. But now we kind of have to wait for Sunday for that. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Levi. Well, unfortunately, we probably won't get to see any of it play out. Um, Emila for 2021-22, both wet races, wet qualifying off and on, wet practices. Um, this one. It's, it's it's just one of those tracks that turns that way. On the same note, they did take away two sets of wet tires. Now, I don't know. They didn't really specify on anything that I could find. Intermediates of full wets i don't know green blues you know how many of each they get or get taken away maybe one of each but they went from 13 sets per team or per car to 11 sets which isn't a big deal i think that's still plenty to do whatever you need to do but yeah it's a it's a weird one for them to pull this out because like i said it's been a uh in the recent history it's been a uh wet weekend you know but i'm hoping that we hope we do get to see it like i said i'm with you on it um the the whole thing they're falling behind is is it was why they're happening this is because of uh Pirelli was wanting to make less of a carbon footprint and this helps them with that something forty something tires a weekend will be saved and over a thousand moving around the world and all that green stuff that we as a racing podcast don't care about we want petrol we want fast we want lots of horsepower all right so I'm just gonna run through what the a article actually says here we want to make sure we're giving you like the uh, correct information here so in quotations this is straight off of racingnews365.com how F1 qualifying is changing for MLS so check it out but uh so in Q1 the drivers will be forced to take the white walled hard tires with those advancing through to Q2 only permitted to run on the yellow medium sorry the yellow walled medium compound the 10 who make it through to the pole position shootout will then have a chance to run the soft tires uh, the time limits will remain unchanged uh, moreover, the total number of dry tires available to each driver is reduced from 13 sets to uh, throughout the weekend to 11. Um, and this is factual. They did say uh, with a 20-car grid in mind, it'll a total of about 1,000 uh, tires a year would not have to be created or shipped. This is huge for their carbon footprint. And if you do the math, you take 20 drivers times it by 2, get 40, multiply that by 23 races. That gives you almost 1,000. I think it's like 960 or somewhere in that, in that regard. Uh, so that's pretty huge so they got um, rid of a small town discount tire like cool yeah i mean is it something i wanted to see change i mean not really i'm open to trying it and seeing how it goes um i think it i think it'll be it'll be weird because you won't be able to have that q2 strategy to get through but also have your preferential tires so it'll be a bit strange um it doesn't specify which race um it just says here uh, it is to be used at one further race later in the 2023 season once Pirelli has had the chance to evaluate the data gathered with potential introduction for additional races possible for 2024. Pirelli is also now bringing an updated specification of tire for all races 
starting at the British Grand Prix. Uh, so that's about all we got on there. I'm just quickly bringing, quickly yeah, reading over the, the, Yeah, that article I've actually touched on the, at least the last part of it, and all it pretty much does is end up saying that they're going to make a change, uh, started with Silverstone, that'll kind of, on, on the tire, we don't really know what it is, I didn't give any specifications, and that will be an upgrade to the tire for 2024. I, I think I think the goal is like um, with that tire specification of it. Like this is stepping away from what they're talking about a qualifying really quick, but with their updated tire specification, they're talking about. Um, we all know this from NASCAR. Different track surfaces wear tires differently, um, and and however you know fast you might be running there in F one for sake. Uh, like if you know a place like Suzuka might absolutely murder your tires in comparison to somewhere like Monza or something. I know I could be totally wrong with that statement. And but I get you, like, I, I tracks, are, like, wear tires. tracks are, like, tracks are diamond graded, some aren't, like, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, there's there's different surfaces, so you can't really just have, you, you might not be able to do with just the five compounds they have, you might need something that can really take a beating and have actual differences rather than just, you know, oh, we have the C3, 4, and 5, but actually this weekend, the only tire anybody actually wants to use is the C5 because it's the best one kind of thing, right? So I think they're going to try and fix that. From what I've been reading, that's how it comes across to me. So, uh, and I think Norman's got something to say. Yeah. And y'all can hate on me all y'all want. Sorry, I do. (laughs) Why don't we just go back to the teams choosing the tires they want to take? Well, I think this is a carbon footprint issue for Pirelli that F1's trying to help them with in the FIA. It's to look good on the carbon footprint, you guys. Well, but... Yay. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yay. I like how teams used to choose, like, I'm going to take one hard, I'm going to take five mediums, and I'm going to take... What would that be? I'm going to take six softs. So now I know coming in the race, I got two sets of softs and one set of mediums, and that's what I'm going to run. Man, See, that's, Ed, you could be, that could hurt you, or it could be great. Man, I bet you the burger stand at the Miami Grand Prix put out more carbon than one extra tire set did. I think we should talk about it. Huh? I think Dave wants to talk about it. I'm dying, guys. I'm dying to talk about it. I've been upset with, well, and I don't want to... So let's just, yeah, just set it up for a little bit there. You're just kind of diving from right. tires I'm not into gonna burgers. Tie. What's You're going right. on all right, here? all right, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm venting. Come on now. Oh, you're right. He, he's venting, so I'm going to slow right, down. You're right. Slow, so take, first of all. Don't Ross Chastain okay. it. All right. Don't just. I'm just throw it I in think the wall, I see baby. steam coming out of his ears right now. So first of all, like Formula One, I get it. We want to reduce the carbon footprint. We want to save the whales. Like if we're, if we don't change the way we're doing things, we may be underwater at the Miami Grand Prix. Like I get it. And if you're trying to set an example for, I don't know, kids or other racing series, who I don't really know who Formula One's trying to set an example for. Everyone, maybe. I think it's a bad example. But the the point is, is like you're reducing a thousand tires a year. Okay. So if if you're a tire shop that does 250 cars a year, then that's all the impact we're having. Let's talk about ticket prices. And I don't want this to be me just complaining, but it is me complaining a little bit. Um, really, what I would like to do is open this up for discussion amongst the guys here 
and you guys, if you're listening to this, please tune in. I would love to hear what you have to say. If you disagree with what I'm saying, if you think that maybe I just don't get it, that's very possible. Please let me know. And I would love to discuss it with you further to try to learn. But the way that it looks to me as a consumer of this product, right? Because at the end of the day, this is a product for people to consume. Um, so what am I talking about here? Let's let's look at some stats going back to the inaugural race as we know it in 2012. We know that there was other races in the U.S. We know that this, you know, whatever. But if we're talking about, if you look at inflation rates and, because this is a broad topic, if we go any further back than like 2005, it's kind of not relevant because it was a different world. Like time moves really fast now. And so like talking about like, oh, well, ticket prices in 2000, like it doesn't matter. So there's some stats from 2005, but for the most part, this is from 2012 to now, even more specifically 2018 or 19 to now is all you need to look at. But let's look at Austin just a little bit. Um, and if you guys have any questions or want to butt in, please do. Um, but uh, 2012 was the inaugural race in Austin, Texas for the Formula One Grand Prix, the United States Formula One Grand Prix. Um, took place at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Three-day general admission for that race was $159. That was from Formula One's website. Now... I, I, through all these numbers there's like keep in mind there's a huge black market for this stuff and whatever homeboy was selling for on facebook marketplace is irrelevant to these stats these are all pulled from public sources that report their income and report their sales so if you look at like and i'm gonna leave saturday and sunday because formula one typically offers three tickets they offer a three-day journal admission a two-day journal admission which is saturday and sunday and then a sunday only the the three-day reserved grandstand seats in 2012 were anywhere between 269 dollars to 499 dollars this is just general grandstand seating this is not club or you get to hang out with Nicki minaj or whatever this is just like normal seating you're gonna spend 270 to 500 bucks plus tax. Um, there were 250,000 scans at the inaugural race. That was over a three day period. Um, there was an estimated 114,000 people at the race itself on Sunday. Um, it's a deceiving number when Formula One shows their weekend attendance. That means how many times were tickets scanned at the front gate. So if you have a three-day ticket, you count three times to that number. So those like, you know, we had 600,000 people like or weekend attendance. And then you kind of hear it on Twitter like there was half a million people there. Like, no, there wasn't. Ah, uh, interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. No, That's, I've always wondered if that right, was factual. No, no there like wasn't. How they That's how many that. scans were at the front gate oh, from Friday to Sunday. And that includes the concerts because like, and I'll get there, but if you look at the US GP, a lot of times people bought the ticket just to go to the concert. They didn't even go to the race. Um, so anyway, 2012, pretty great inaugural race at Coda overall. Quarter million people through the gates. We had over 100,000 people at the race, pretty big deal. Um, and the ticket price is pretty modest, 159 bucks. I would happily pay that today. It, it's important to mention that inflation is a factor here and inflation has like gone up on average on the US dollar at least about 32% from 2012 till now. So a dollar 
then is about a dollar 32 today think of it like that so this same ticket would have been worth like 200 bucks today so would you pay 200 bucks to go to coda yeah i think so i would absolutely yeah, for sure no problem um so 2013 ticket prices went up ten dollars it was $169 for general admission, grandstand seating, $299 to $499. That was for the front straight, turn one, the stadium section, and the back hairpin. Um, there was same quarter million scanned. I did not find race day attendance estimate because those are estimates because they really don't. The, the, the amount of people that came through the gate on Sunday is kind of like a CODA number that CODA reports. And so, like, I was able to find it for other years, but not all years. Anyway, uh, point is, 2014, we saw the same ticket price, $169 general admission for three days, but attendance was down 11% at 237 ticket, 237,000 tickets scanned at the front gate over the weekend. 2015, same deal. No price change, didn't go up or down. It was 169 bucks. Attendance down again, five or 10% year over year. So people were losing interest in Formula One. Um, 2016, they had Taylor Swift, which was the turning point in this story. Taylor Swift changes everything. Just ask your friends if they've gone and seen Taylor Swift on her Echoes tour right now. They will say yes. Like this chick Dude, is- Dude, I want to see Taylor Swift. She pulls people. It's insane. It's insane. Dude, I want to go see Taylor Swift. Dude. She's amazing. I've seen her twice. Anyway, um <laughs> uh, I did not I did not see her in 2016. Um but ticket they lowered the ticket price to a flat 150 for general admission for 3 days and they had Taylor Swift included in that ticket. And uh they saw record attendance. It was up 20% year over year and they scanned over a quarter million tickets through the gate. 2017, 18, and 19 followed the same formula. They had big bands and big artists, and they saw increases in attendance year over year, but not to exceed 300,000 over the entire weekend. So the point of all of that is from 2012 to 2019, it was went up and down, but mainly went down to start. The ticket price was always no more than 170 bucks for general admission for three days. The grandstand tickets were about the same, like three to 600 bucks, no more than that. This is the 2019, guys. This is just four years ago. At that current moment, the global average for general admission three-day tickets in the entire world across all Formula One races was $161 per ticket. And currently at Coda in 2019, well, not currently, but at that moment in 2019 at Coda, the ticket price was $169. So we were just over the global average of ticket price. Not a big deal, right? Like everything's cool. So then COVID hits. And more importantly, this is the second season of Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive came out in 2019. So like people who went to the Coda race in 2019, that was like the first people who got exposed to Drive to Survive. Then we had the whole pandemic to obsess over this stuff. And this is where we start seeing it go downhill. So 2021, they estimated 130,000 people at the race. That's on race day. Keep in mind, like all of these numbers I've been saying are divided by three. So like if you had a quarter million people there, there was like 70,000-ish, 75,000 people at the race, usually. So... They expected 130,000 at the race. They had 140,000 in 2021. There was over 
well, no, there was almost, it was like 380 something thousand people over the course of the weekend. It was a huge increase, like 25, 20% year over year increase. General admission tickets were $210, 170 to 210. Like, okay, whatever, big deal. That's not a deal breaker, you know, especially if you're going from New York or Los Angeles or wherever to see this race, like, okay, whatever, 40 bucks, who cares? Um, lower track side seating was like 695 better grandstand seating was like 810 800 bucks still reasonable but expensive getting more expensive this is where we start tipping the scales and it happened all at once so last year in 2022 we had 440,000 people over the course of the weekend that's a record um general admission sold out in advance like almost immediately i was one of the people sitting in line and i'm going to talk about it a little bit more in just a moment but there's a thing in formula one called dynamic pricing and it, i mean it's not like their thing it's a thing that exists in all sports ticket sales and ticket sales in general but demand juristics price in real time so if there's a bunch of people trying to buy tickets the ticket price goes to the roof and that makes people stop buying tickets right um, so in 2022 is when we really saw the dynamic pricing model get instituted into Coda ticket sales. It, it's always been there, but the demand was never high enough to make it do what it does. And in 2022, general admission, the wait time to just be able to buy a ticket was over four hours. I sat in line. I, I honestly never got to the front of the line. By the time I did, all general admission was sold out. Um it was about $259 for a general admission ticket in 2022 last year. And the price was going up about $100 a day with their dynamic pricing model. So if you weren't there dropping, you know, 300 bucks with tax and fees day one, you were spending four to 500 on day two and three and so on until they sold out. Uh, anyway, so we come to this year. And we'll talk about Miami too, but let's talk about Austin coming up because the tickets are for sale right now. If you go to Formula One's website, general admission is $475 a person. That's just for a three-day general admission ticket. Keep in mind, in 2012, all the way to 2019, this price stayed at $170 or less. Seven years. It's a long time. And now just over the last one year, Last year it was $259 and now it's $475 a person. We've seen almost an 80% increase or more in the ticket price of general admission. Don't even get me started on grandstand seats. Uh, turn four grandstands, you want to sit middle of the line grandstands and get like a lanyard. It's like 1800 bucks. It's insane. It's insane. And if you look at Miami Grand Prix, Three-day general admission for the for this recent Grand Prix was five ninety a person. Yeah, day of the race you could snag tickets for basically nothing. But that that's every sporting event, even if it's the Super Bowl. Like ten minutes before the Super Bowl starts, outside of the Super Bowl, you could snag a pretty cheap ticket. Um, but if you're just trying to get your ticket, get everything in line, book your hotel, do it right, that's kind of the prices I'm talking about. So Miami was five ninety for a three-day admission to the campus is what they called it. Um, they had 270,000 people there. That was 30,000 more than last year. So looking at these numbers on a broad spectrum, we see a lot of growth, 
Formula One is coming up in the US. But at what point is too much? I guess from you guys' eyes as fans, what's the tipping point for you? Where Where is too expensive too expensive? And, and Austin is in my own backyard. I mean, if we're comparing Austin to Italy, and I guess real quick before we move on, let's compare Austin to Italy. So general admission to Imola this weekend for a three-day pass is 140 bucks, three days. If you want grandstand seats, it'll run you, I think I saw like 250 bucks. It's not a big deal. It's like really moderate pricing. So that makes Austin and Miami, if you look at them on a list of Grand Prix uh, over the years and priced out. Um, I mean, like Miami is like about 90, 92% of the price of Monaco. Monaco is still the most expensive Grand Prix on the calendar, but Miami is the second most expensive. And so as a fan, what's up as an American fan? Like what, how do you guys feel? Or even Canadian, how do you guys feel about this? Because I feel pushed out. I don't feel like I can reasonably support the sport that I love so much. And the reason why I loved it to begin with is because I got to fall in love with it on TV and then go stand in the pits at Coda and see a Ferrari in front of me. And I felt like a child again, you know? And I feel like that's why a lot of us are racing fans because they make us feel like little kids, man. It's a big engine that goes, you know? Like, I love that. It makes me feel like a kid. And, it, and especially in times like now, I just, I just said inflation's up 32% over the last 10 years. We need that thing to feel like a little kid. And so if you're going to price me out, I'm not interested, right? If you don't want me here, I don't want to be here. If this is going to be just Nicki Minaj and Serena Williams and Martin Brundle getting pushed around by bodyguards, then I don't want to be part of it. Like... It sucks. I want to go to a race with my dad. You know, I don't want to think about like, oh man, like this, these tickets are going to be for grandstands. And these are turn four is bleacher grandstands, guys. These are not seats with cup holders. This is a bleacher seating. And you're paying 16 to $2,100, depending on if you're sitting higher or lower. Higher is more expensive. So like, I want to take my dad to a race. I don't want to sit in a, in a lawn chair. I want to sit in a seat. It's well, it's going to run me five grand at the gate. So who is this for? It's, it's not for me. And I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm damn sure it's not for you either at that price. Well, so like who, who is this for? It's for, hey, look at me on social media is my opinion. It's for the 1%. If people want to get into that conversation, I'm not here to get into that conversation, but that's what I feel like it is. Well, I am because if it, if it is for the 1%, then is this the first year that we see attendance down because we've seen, and, and the answer is no. And I know that, and it's going to frustrate me, but the, the thing is, is in my head for formula one, if you want to be successful and you want to be long-term you can't just try to get everyone to come to your race once. And if you look at their TV numbers, if you look at their TV numbers, in 2018, they had about five 
550,000 people tuned in to watch the Austin Grand Prix. 550,000. That's nothing, dude. That's nobody. Nobody. Nobody cared. I'll spare you the other years. Let's skip to 2022. They had 1.5 million. So we saw a 300% increase from 2018 to 2022. That's pretty staggering. So go ahead and give me a guess on what you think average viewership is for an NFL playoff game. Average. NFL playoffs. And this does not include the Super Bowl. It's just playoffs. Any any given team for 2022, what do you think the average number of people that tuned in to watch NFL playoff game was? 28.4 million viewers on average tune in to watch NFL playoff games. 28.4 million. To give you perspective, the most viewed Formula One race of all time was Austin last year at 1.4 million. So there's literally no one cares. That's I'll the truth. put it to you this way. If you want to jack up your prices, my cable provider already gives me SPN. I'll watch it at home. Yeah, and, and, and see, that's, that's, that's fine. And, and it's obvious that Formula One has money in a many, many, many places. But one of the reasons why, if you go digging, because if we look at Silverstone last year, there was a big holdup, and this year, there's a big gripe coming out of Great Britain from all of the European fans on the pricing of Silverstone tickets because they went to that dynamic pricing model. And we saw prices jump from 150 bucks to $400 American, like quickly, while people were waiting in line to buy tickets. And But that doesn't even hold a candle to Austin prices or Miami prices. Like, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, and I, I get it. Formula One in the U.S. is not NFL or NBA. There's only three that happen per year. So let's compare it to the NBA Finals. There's only there's at least four of those that happen per year. It's two teams, I get it. But if you're an NBA fan, you're kind of an NBA fan, right? Everyone wants to go to the NBA Finals. Like It's kind of a big deal. If you wanted to go see the Golden State Warriors in 2019 play at Oracle Arena in Oakland, it was going to run you about 1400 bucks a ticket. Like I said, you want to sit in the bleachers in the sun at Coda, it's going to run you sixteen to 2100 bucks a ticket. Formula One is excellent at making themselves bigger than their audience. And if you look at NASCAR, NASCAR on every weekend pulls in two and a half to three million viewers. So every weekend, NASCAR is doubling Formula One numbers, and that's pitched as the biggest event in the U.S., it's the biggest deal ever. I am concerned that Formula One is pricing themselves out of their own market. Yeah, I want to get Antonio's take on it being not, he, he watches you know, the American sport and everything else, but he is from another country. I would like to get his take. It's the closest thing we've got to an out-of-country guy. So yeah, and sorry, it. that's a hell of a rant, but it's a, it's, a, it's a lot to unpack because... Well, I've got mine too, but I want to hear what he's got to say, and then I've got a little bit of that on it. Um, I, I think from a, from a fan's perspective, it's completely unreasonable, especially for the people who are here before the big surge in popularity over the last you know four or five years. I think it's very, very sad to see that, like, I'm probably not going to go to one because I just don't want to spend two grand on a ticket. 
And even even that, like, I got to still get there. Like, I, yeah. even, even the Montreal race is expensive, man. It's not like it's just the U.S. races. Like, it's just like they try and milk the whole North American market. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, from a, from a business perspective, I don't know if they're going for sustainability in the U.S., but I do really think that they see this surge in popularity and they're really like, all right, these guys got money and they want to spend it and they like these big events that they can just post and be like, yeah, I was there. I'm so cool. I'm a influencer. I made it to this event that is so cool. I'm beside a Formula One car. I don't even know what it does, but I'm, I'm beside one. Like, right. you know what I mean? They're just, they're just here and they're happy to be there and they're happy to give you two grand for your ticket. So I, I think F1's probably just looking at this and just being like, let's go milk this market. Why not? Like, let's, who cares? We'll build these you know, my, we'll go to Miami. We'll go to Vegas. We'll go to the, they've been talking about New York. That that's might be something too. They just, they're going where the people are who want to spend the most money. Like where, are, what are people doing in Miami? They're spending money. What are people and doing the, in Vegas? They're spending money. Like the intro in Miami just embodied all of this for me. And it's honestly, oh, I yeah. wasn't that mad about it until that intro came along. And I was like, it's, are they, are they doing this for me? Like does formula one honestly think that they're doing this for us because if they think that they're wrong like this is not this is not what it's about um you know it seems like this this uh new way of thinking is sell your soul to be at a certain place so that i can have a certain picture or a certain post or whatever the case may be uh, it's just i think the only people that f1 at some of these f1 races that care about the actual racing are the teams and the cars and with the pre-race and all that stuff that went on at Miami, I mean, half of them are looking around like, what the hell are we doing? What are like, we doing? What, what is all this? What What is this? I thought I was here to race, man. Alonzo smelling flowers all weekend. I know. If you wanted to if you wanted to go see the Cowboys and the 49ers play in the divisional round last year, which is one of the, more exp- the most expensive divisional round ticket, general admission, get-in price, 600 bucks. But that's the problem. It's it's not priced for four people that are sitting here. No, but that is because I think I would pay six hundred bucks to go to a divisional. No, no, no. I'm talking about the F1. I'm talking about the F1. Yeah, but that's the thing is how many of not and, us and, are there? I mean, at least four hundred thousand. Well, and you're, and you're putting that up. Yeah, and you're putting that up against divisional finals. Or so, this is just a race, bro. I know. That's my at point. The first of the season. That's my yeah. point. It's like I mean, who cares? Like, yeah, I'm not going to see that. And you know what pisses me off even more, though? What pisses me off even more is we're not even going to actual tracks. You're going to some street track or something they just put up. Like, it's not like... It's, it's a okay, Austin, Austin is an exception, but, like, why are we going to, like, Miami? Like, well, why Miami, are we Miami isn't no. Long Beach, right? Yeah. It's not Long Beach. It's not a It's not a decent, good, no. iconic track. So today I... It's trash. Today I looked into booking three nights in Vegas... General admission to the race, just general admission. Um, I I did some round numbers for Ubers and food and booze and things like that. It's gonna be nine grand, man. Boom. Yeah, and on top of that, it's another wonderful layout. It's gonna be I mean, nine thousand bucks. Yet. Then I came and up with trash I, I came up with eight thousand eight hundred and ninety five dollars plus tax. That was for airfare from Texas to Vegas. Three nights in the hotel because the hotels are like a thousand bucks a night. It was going to be nine grand per person. That was for one person. So that's what I mean. It's like, okay, so it's not for me. That's okay. Like, boohoo. Like, I'm Mr. Middle Class. Like, I can't afford it. Cool. But like, 
who's it for then? You know, yeah, who's dropping 20 grand and, to go to an F1 And who's race? thinking now, like, I can't wait to take my kid to one of these because I'm not. I'm like, no, son, like. I can go to 20 NASCAR races for the price of one of those right, tickets. I'm I, just saying. There you go. Right, I'm just I an, saying. I have American friends. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to spend that kind of money year over year going to those races. I don't think they care about that. I think Antonio was kind of on to something. I think they're going to milk until that well's dry. If if I had to spend nine grand to go to Vegas, I'd rather spend 11 grand and go to spa. That's the thing. Like I said, like if you look at, if you look at historical pricing of formula one races over the years, Miami is the Miami this year is the second most expensive general admission ticket like ever, like ever. And, and I don't know if y'all saw the vi- the viral posts about like the menu prices. Yes. There was a little skewed about that because that was for a four person serving, but d- don't BS me like a watermelon and feta salad for four people. It's for one person. You know what I mean? Like it's a little dinky amount of food. Like here's a serving for you, sir. Like, um, and I mean, we we're talking 200. So, two- I saw a Wagyu steak sandwich. That looked it looked like was ham. ham. Yeah. And it was like for forty-seven dollars, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so Wagyu ham, boys. If you're if you're gonna be the premier, and I guess this is my dig, if you're gonna be the premier of the premier, if you're gonna market yourself as the rich of the rich, the like Monaco, you know, like that. This is where all the famous people go. Then don't serve me a ham sandwich when I pay $47 for Wagyu beef, it's just not sustainable. It's not going to work. I felt the same way at Coda in 2019. I mean, even though that price was half the price of the ticket now, it was like beer was like a, a tall boy. Beer was like 22 bucks. If mm, is right. Question like, damn, can you not bring your own cooler in? No. Oh, what, are you kidding me now? No way. Come on now. This is no, they don't allow water in, man. Kids, this is Formula my, One. My kid can barely walk, and his <laughs> ticket costs as much as mine. Like, this is not NASCAR. That's Come the on, thing. Dude. This ain't no Budweiser, dude. We're Heineken, okay? Right. There were 22 bucks. I ain't I talking on. <laughs> I ain't talking no NASCAR. I'm talking IndyCar. Yeah. Well, all of all At of Barber, those... I could bring a whole cooler in my truck in. Yeah. All the racing series Pack in the my US. my mini cooler. The 24 Walk hours. around the track. My kid who is 15 gets in free. And I only pay $250 for the whole weekend. Yeah, hey, we can illegally a, drink. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. 24 hours <laughs> was 160 bucks a person. And same deal. You can bring food and drinks in. Kids are free. Like, and, but the thing is, so I would like to say like, well, Formula One's got it figured out. But it's obvious that when it comes to TV viewership, no one in the U.S. cares about Formula One. No one cares. Half the, well, some people care. Half the amount that care about NASCAR care. Our listeners care. That's a true fact. And so, I just. They they don't care nine grand if they care. I wanted to segue this into like, I guess. They're like all us. Let's watch it on TV. We're all passionate fans, right? Like, does this make you mad? Are, like, do you feel shut out by this a little bit? Because I do. I, I Austin is close enough to me that I don't have to get a hotel. It's a long drive. It's three. It's three and a half hours. But if I was serious, 
I could go to the race, come home. I could even see the killers and queen and come home and like be home at two and two or three in the morning and go back the next morning at 10 AM, you know, but still, even, even if I did that, like per person, it's going to, it's going to run. I mean, just thousands of dollars with food and drink. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nine and a half hours away from me. So it's not that far. Like, you know what I mean? To go to a race. Uh, it makes me sad. But there's no way. Cause there's no alternative. I'm paying that. But I don't, I don't think that this, like, this isn't in this year. This, this goes on for a little bit, but at this rate, like, I don't see Miami or Vegas being a sustainable event. Like, I don't know. It, I don't, I live in a small town in the middle of nowhere, but I'm the biggest racing fan I know. And I'm not going to these races. You know, I'll put it to you this way. And so, yeah. And I'm going to rant for probably maybe a minute, minute and a half. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to call it up that. These, these prices are ridiculous. And for your true diehard fan that I think all four of us are, they're outside of what we will pay. We would rather go to an NASCAR race, an IndyCar race, an IMSA race, a WEC race right now than to pay a thousand something dollars to go to an F1 race because we're going for the race itself. And I feel like Formula One is trying to jump on this social media bullcrap than it is to to cater to the people who want to watch the race. And like I said earlier, I can watch the race on TV and I can talk to you guys on Monday about the race and we can bicker and banter about, you know, who did what and why they did it. And I'm just as happy. But I have IndyCar coming to my backyard. I'm, take, I'm taking the day off Friday from work. I'm going to the race all three days. I'm there from no later than 10 till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't miss a dang thing. And the reason why... Is because they cater to the fan. They don't care about having social media there and having, I don't know, freaking Justin Bieber come. It took me. It took me five hours to get out of the parking lot at Coda in 2019. It took me oh, 15 minutes to get home prices. from Barbara this year. So not including general admission this year, it's 475 bucks. That's if you take an Uber. If you want to park at the event, it's $275 per car. Parking's free at Barber. That's too much money, man. I'm telling you. like It's limited, I mean, if is, but if, this, if you buy your ticket early enough, you get free parking as long as you ask for it. If this segment is me just complaining and everyone disagreeing that listens to this, like, well, you're just poor. Cool. Fine. But I really don't think that's the case. Like, can people afford it? Sure. Is it affordable? No. I don't think so at all. Like, 
if you want to create fans, because if you want to create, look at NASCAR, look at what NASCAR is doing. And this is me. This is Mr. Dave giving props to NASCAR. Mark that down. But like NASCAR is embodying kids. They, they want kids to be fans. They're not trying to make Levi a fan. They're trying to make Levi's kids a fan because their daddy's watching the race and they want the kid to come in and be interested. And it's, it's, it's a little cringy sometimes, you know, like look at the clash and like, look at, it's a little like, what are you doing NASCAR? But at least it's accessible. If my kid who's less than two, but let's say in two years, my kid's like, daddy, I want to go to a NASCAR race race. It's like, let's go like awesome. Heck yeah. You know? And I think that if you look at NASCAR as an, as a business, that's their marketing department right now is like create this program that's for all ages like the grandpas are watching it with their sons who are watching it with their sons and everyone's watching it for a different reason you're you know the old guy's watching it because he he's maybe mad about the new way things are going and guys like me are watching it because it is something new and different that's constantly changing and it's it's new it's 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 constantly new it feels like that to me at least as a new fan that like i i was a fan last year too but it's different like this year's totally different um i mean for my kid it's just cars going zoom around a track and i want him to be able to feel like he can access that i totally agree but the bad part about it is you know they they're there they can't really they can change it overnight I'm not going to say they can't change it overnight. That's a lie. But it's like they've kind of went down this road. Uh, hopefully they'll see the writing on the wall. Hopefully the attendance will go down. I mean, that's that's what they'll change, right? You got to talk money. We saw it at Silverstone. I so, mean, people are pissed off about Silverstone. But if, yeah. if you kind of get into like the blog posts and Reddit posts, people are mad about what, what the dynamic pricing model has done to Silverstone general admission. Who is, that is one of those races that like my grandpa's been going to that race. I go to that race. Now I'm taking my son to that race. And for the first time ever, that race is not affordable to some people. Yes. And that, that's something to be mad about. And it's almost like they're resurrecting, they're trying to resurrect it with the Brad Pitt thing. Like, oh, well, Brad Pitt's going to be there. Like, no, well, so. That's for a movie filming. It's not like he's actually coming to do anything. He's there to film a Freaking movies being paid to if be you get there. On, if you get on formula1.com right now, they're, all their website banner is just Brad Pitt. It's solid Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt driving at Silverstone. Colton heard him mad that Brad Pitt got a super license before he did. Ha ha ha. Like, it's on formula1.com's website. Like, they're, they're cashing in on this too. And so it makes it feel like to me that the Silverstone play with the because they know they know people are pissed. David Crofty himself came out on Twitter and talked about how he was mad about it. And, you know, isn't Lewis Hamilton part of this whole movie, too? He's a producer. That's what I thought. Like, but like, is it? I don't know. And, And I don't. I don't want this to just be like Dave's mad. Like, thanks for your mad input, Dave. But like it. This whole thing is leading me down a road where I would much, much, much rather be at home. And if the viewership numbers on TV were in the 10 millions, then I would agree that like, well, everyone feels that way. But it sure seems like no one cares. 
No one's watching this. Like, MLS soccer pulls half of the numbers of Formula One. MLS soccer. I would love to hear everyone's input on this. Um, you can email us at thelapzeropodcast at gmail.com. You can get on our Discord. If I'm overstepping my boundaries here, if I just don't get it, I'd love to hear your input. But I, I really... I would love to just know if it's just me that feels this way because it sure doesn't seem like it. When you go, just a quick Google will show you that like, yeah, there's plenty of people that are really upset about this. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of Formula One because I want to watch Netflix. Like I want to go to the race. I want to see, I want to see Max and Charles battle it out up the hill into turn one at Coda. That's worth 300 bucks ticket to me. But it's not worth 500 bucks a ticket to me, plus $22 beers, plus $275 parking. It's just not. So let me know what you think, because I'm interested to know. Uh, definitely the Formula One rant will be brought back up here, probably in, what, three months? Hopefully. Three um, days. Try me. Sounds um, like... <laughs> brought up sooner than that. Sounds like we got some really what are you good. Doing for the next three we're hours? probably four weeks away from debuting um, a special called Deer Eye Racing, and we're gonna have another special with NASCAR and its problems, and then we have an F1 special after that coming up. So hope y'all enjoyed, and we will see you next week. <laughs>